Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro with you. Eagles getting ready for Sunday's game in Denver against the 5-4 and four Broncos. Not an easy place to play for the Eagles, who haven't won there since, get ready for this, 1989. Eagles are 0-3 in that time since. But it's a new day, a new year. The Broncos coming off a big win at Dallas. They've got AFC West opponents coming up. Eagles, of course, tough loss on Sunday against the LA Chargers. So who knows what's going to happen in this wild and wacky 2021 Eagles season. We've got a great episode for you. We're going to get in-depth on the Broncos. Eric Delala from DenverBroncos.com will join. He covers the Broncos in-depth for the team website, lead writer there. But first, let's go deep with one of the Eagles players who's really on the rise. He grew up in Mississippi, religious beliefs keeping him off the football field for much of his high school years went to community college and then he ended up at the university of colorado for two years so in a bit of a collegiate homecoming davion taylor is pumped up to play on sunday he's also fired up because he's made great strides in year number two of his eagles career so without further ado a fascinating story here davion taylor eagles linebacker one-on-one davion if we could if we could begin the interview with kind of where you were, because um, I find it such a fascinating story. So for those who don't know, you only played one game in high school because of your religious uh, beliefs. Can, can you describe what exactly that meant for those who don't quite understand? Well, uh, closest religion I always compare it to uh, is seven-day Adventist. So what it is, is like uh, we keep something called the Sabbath day, and the Sabbath day you're supposed to keep it holy. So like a day is like no work or anything. It's just making sure it's all on, uh, you all, your focus is all on God. And that, that started for me. It started from uh, when the sun, sun go down on Friday night uh, to the sun go down on Saturday night. So that means uh, when the sun uh, go down on Friday, I had to be up inside, had to be make sure I'm locked in or like in the Bible, uh, reading the Word, uh, just making sure my focus is all on God. So I couldn't play football. I couldn't play any sport. I really just couldn't do anything on that Friday or Saturday because like it was just mostly focused on God. Went to church on Saturday and just, like I said, was just uh, focused on my religion the whole time. You know, you're a young kid. I mean, did you ever, like, say, hey, Mom and Dad, can I go play football? Is there any way you'll let me play football this weekend? Oh, that, that would follow every week. <laughs> every week my mom would uh, I mean, at the end of the day, my mama always said no. Because I, I feel like it started with my brother. Like, he was, he was the oldest one. And he was uh, the better football player growing up now. So, like, uh, even coaches and coaches and other players and stuff just come out of the house to uh, beg my mom for him to play Um and everything, but like she never really, um, she never really like let us play or anything. But that my senior year, we had came up with like a little deal. The sun was going down a little bit later than usual. Uh, come like at the start of the season, thing was going going down around seven thirty, seven ish. The game started at six, so the deal was that I played for halftime. But um, when the halftime came around, that first game I was playing so good. My coach was like, hey, call your mom real quick. Let me see the phone. He called her. He gave her the phone, went in the back room. Don't know what he said to her or anything. I just remember he just came back and was like, you can play. And then I just played that one high school football game. I played the same thing the second game. It was until halftime. But after that, she was like, it was a no-go. When the sun went down, she she wanted me off that field. And that's why I just respected her wishes and everything with that. And after the second game, I just I was like, hey, I did way more than my brother did. My brother never got a chance to step on the football football field. And I was able just to do this, so I was just happy with that. And I was just thankful for the little game and a half I did have while I was in high school. 
so how did you play in that game and a half? What, what kind of performance did you have? Uh, the first game, I can't remember exactly how many tackles I had. I just remember I had like eight or nine tackles. And I played safety at this point. So I played like eight or nine. I had like eight or nine tackles. I had an interception. I had like four or five PBUs. So like it was like that first game, like it was like I had so much built up. And I just wanted to show the world. I showed, I showed my school and show everybody around me that I can play. And that's what I actually, and I was able to do that uh, uh, on that Friday. It's really amazing. I mean, you literally, so, so you would practice all week. And, and in high school, Practice is not exactly teaching you the instincts that you need to play at higher levels. So when you got to community college, were you just kind of running around wild until you at least got a sense of what defense was all about? Uh, yes, I feel like I was definitely like the, uh, my first year. I feel like I was just running around, and then I, but uh, the coaches they they knew that my experience was like I didn't have none at all. So uh, they, they started to work with me more and more. They uh, started to, it was started to be like uh, I was in a position. Uh, so I look at the tackle. When the tackle do this, go just go find the ball. All right, when somebody do this, go find the ball. So they kept it kind of simple for me. So then JUCO was a little bit slower. It wasn't as fast as, uh, as a university or anything. So uh, I had started to get get used to that feeling. It was really was for me and junior college. I don't really I learned a little bit, but it, at, at the end of the day, it was really see ball get ball. So whenever I saw the ball, I was running. If it was across the field, if it was fifty yards down the field. I was just going to find find the ball and trying to make a play. Dave, and there's a obviously there's a physical element to football. Where, like, were you always a really physical kid, or is that something that you've had to kind of develop the more you've played? I mean, great athlete is one thing, but you still have to be super physical to play at this level. Uh, I felt like I was always physical. I, I always loved the weight room. Um, I was not the biggest guy coming to community college, but like I always loved the weight room. I loved to uh, hit people and everything. But um, I, I feel like the physicality. Uh, like it, it was, it was there, but it wasn't like as it should be. As like a, I feel like as a college football player at first, and then uh, I feel like as I got to Colorado, like they had to hone in on me, just being more physical, making sure I'm going to attack the block, making sure when I do to attack the block, making sure like I'm making sure I'm uh, have my eyes on the blocker who's attacking me and not trying to find the ball. making so like it really was just uh, when I when I got to to Colorado, it was just bringing out that physicality any more uh, even more. And then when Coach Tucker came in my senior year. And uh, I feel like he really brought that SEC mentality because, you know, he came from Georgia and everything. So, like, in every, every single day, we was hitting, 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 hitting. So, he really brought, uh, I feel like, that, that extra physicality I really needed in order to, like, for, for this level. And, uh, and I feel like if I would have played in the SEC, like, he would have, he, he, him by himself, prepared me if I was to go to the SEC also. One thing to clear up because I'm a little confused. So, you didn't play from sundown Friday to sunup on Sunday. So how did is that correct? And then if that's right, like how did you play in college? So it was it was sundown Friday night to sun sundown Saturday night. And then gotcha. how, okay. I college, how I played in college was like when I got to college when I turned eighteen, my mom was like, "It's my decision." So uh, I never really thought God hated football or anything. She never thought God hated football. Or anything. She just wanted to respect the religion in her house. So like when I tried out and everything, and this is why I try still try to keep my religion a part of my life because. Uh, when I tried out for my junior college, when, when it came down to this three of us, and Coach Collins in the office was like, he's going to cut one of us. I, like that night, I prayed and I asked God, I was like, if it's not meant for me, it's like, this is not my journey. Do not let me make this team. But if it's for me, I'll give everything I got. And I, I will just continue to just make sure I keep a religion in my life. So I feel like he answered my prayer by me just making a team that same week. I ended up making a team. And as I made that team, I feel like I was like, all right, God is telling me he don't hate football. And so like when I do, do go to a dream college and when I am playing on Saturdays, I just got to make sure I'm giving him the glory and make sure I'm giving him all the praise as I'm doing it and not just make sure it's not all about me. 
Understood. That's great. So I, I would imagine as we get before we get into the Eagles part of it here, you never will take playing football for granted. Like every chance you have to play is a blessing for you. Yeah, it, it truly is. Because like I know, I wouldn't I wouldn't even be here if it, uh, for one. Like if I could say, but if, if I didn't make the team in junior college and I didn't feel like God God was with me along this whole journey, I I I, I know I wouldn't uh, be doing anything. So like I, I feel like every time I step on the field, it's, it's truly a blessing. Because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here. So, Davion, compare where you are right now with where you were as a rookie when you only played in a few games. You had a handful of snaps on defense. Most of it was special teams. I mean, they always talk about the speed of the game. You are you're even coming from a further part of it. Like, how how much different are you now than you were a year ago? Oh, I feel like I'm, I've improved tremendously. Uh, just because, like, I, my play recognition is better. Like, I'm taking less false steps. I mean, to this day, I'm still learning. I'm still learning day by day. But like, compared to last year, like I, like, I don't really – if I do make a false step or anything now, I feel like I'm able to make up for it. Like, last, compared to last year, like, if I took that false step, I'm take, probably taking too many false steps. Like, I'm already – I'm biting real, real hard on the run, and it's a play action, and I got to – and I'm too late. Uh, but now, like, I'm starting to see things way quicker. I'm starting, like, to know what's coming before it even comes. I'm starting to, like, catch up with the speed. So, like, I'm starting to just being able to play faster and, like, know what's coming before, I can, before it comes. And I'm, I'm not even like it's like this year. I'm starting to not second guess myself because last year it was a lot of times that you'll see me probably like like when I was on the field, like Barrett, when I was on the field, I probably be second guessing myself, like saying, "All right, what's going on?" Like I'm, like even on the field, but now I'm like I'm out. Like if I see see something going on, I like I know what it is, and I just I'm able just to go right into it instead of just having those second guesses that can make me probably not make a play. So like uh, I, I just feel like I've improved tremendously with that, and I've improved tremendously tremendously when it comes to just the. the physicality of the game when it comes to just my coverage. I feel like I just – I've improved so much compared to last year. Like, it's really – I feel like I'm just a whole different player. Why is linebacker so difficult in the NFL? What For fans who don't quite understand, they say, hey, why can't you Why can't you do what you did in college? See the ball, go get the ball. Why is it so difficult to do that in the NFL? And because you have the alignment and assignment. And uh, if you don't have – if you're not in your assignment, you can – it can be a big play. So, uh, the biggest thing – I think the biggest adjustment for me coming into, like, junior college – I mean, from – Colorado until now was uh, Colorado when I was a linebacker. I played outside of the box, and now I'm inside the box. So like you don't see the whole, you're not seeing the whole thing. You're seeing just the lineman and the running back, and like you have to make sure if you got a puller, you got to make sure you go to another gap. It was like there's two pullers, you got to go over two block, two gaps. If it's a slicer, you got to go over a gap. Like so, it's so much more that you have to like know and, and, and while you're inside the box. And like like I said, one little mistake can open up a big gap, and it can be like a, for a, like a big run, or like if not even that, like you just suck, if you suck up too much on the run, it's a play action, and you're not getting getting out quick enough. It can be a big pass play. So it's like so much like hone in on the linebacker. So like it's it's really little, way less room uh, for mistakes compared to uh, like college or anything where you can just see ball get ball. Now you have to actually do your assignment, Do your uh, make sure your alignment is straight, and then after you fix, you do all that first, then you can go whenever you see the ball, then go get the ball. But you have to always have to make sure you have to do your, your job first before you do anything. So I know Sunday it won't be in Boulder, but it will be in Denver, and I know that the Buffs play in Denver. So, like, will you stand on the field pregame and just look around and go, hey, wow, I mean, this is an amazing journey? Yeah, it is. It is because I still remember my first my first D one game when I had walking to the Denver Broncos Stadium because it was our first game against CSU, and I walked in the stadium and like I remember telling myself like one day I'm gonna play here. So like now I think when I go there now it's just when I walk on the field and do like oh I'm here like now it's gonna really I mean it's hit me already but like now I feel like it's about to hit me again like I like I, this is where 
like I told myself I would be playing one day, and now like now I'm actually playing here. So like it's really about to be a dream come true, going back to back to Colorado and being in that stadium that I played played in college, and just now playing in the NFL game. So it's really like a, truly a dream come true, and I wouldn't give it up for the world. Last question, Davion. How much more improvement is there in Davion Taylor? Oh, so much right now. I'll, if I had to give you a percentage of how good I could, uh, how good I am right now, I'll probably say forty, fifty percent. I feel like I have so much more growing to do. I'm still learning so much more, and like and I feel like I'm not. I'm, I don't. I wouldn't even call myself raw anymore because I like I know what I'm doing now. But uh, I still have so much growing to do. So much more growing to do. Like I, just, I feel like I see some plays. Like sometimes I can see it faster, and like I feel like. Like the more and more comfortable I get in this defense and everything, I feel like the more, the more and more like I'm, I'm going to start making more plays, and uh, I, I want to get to the point that I'm, I'm faster than the game. Like I feel like at every level, I got to the point I started off slow, but once I figured it out, I was able to be, be faster than everybody else on the field. And I want to get to that point, and even at this level, when I get to the point that I'm like, all right, I know what's coming, I'm about to go get the ball before like, like before. I, I want to know what's going on before it even happens, and that way I can make way more plays and just get my name out there even more. Will you have any friends or family at the game on Sunday? Oh, I have like some people from Boulder, some uh, old college friends. I have, yeah, it's, it's going to be some people from uh, from Colorado. I know that, so like, it's going to be excited just to go back to. It's, I feel like it's my second home, so like, I'm, I'm really, really excited to go back out there. So the Broncos, they've overcome all of these injuries. They played really well last week at Dallas. Crazy win for them, thirty to sixteen over the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. What's next for Denver? The Eagles are coming to town. Let's get the lowdown on the Denver Broncos from Eric Dalala, denverbroncos.com. Eric, you know, it's interesting. I looked at the Broncos as a team that, you know, three wins to open the season, not great opponents, some tough times after that, some tough losses. And then along came the win over the Dallas Cowboys. And all of a sudden, after the trade of Von Miller, I'm like, whoa, what is this team all about? How defining to you was that win against Dallas? How potentially, how much does that change the direction of what the Broncos are going to be this season? Yeah, I mean, I think it changes everything because, like you mentioned, the, the four losses there in a row, all the AFC opponents, it kind of gave you the sense that the Broncos weren't ready to compete. They weren't ready to kind of fight for a playoff spot. And then winning in Dallas, one, it steals you a game that you don't think you're going to win. Uh, puts you right back in the mix, but then also it kind of opens up the possibility that if you can beat a team like Dallas that badly on the road, then maybe it's not out of the question to beat the Chargers at home, to beat the Chiefs at home, you know, to go on the road and beat a division opponent. It it does kind of change the whole outlook of the season. So how did it happen? I mean, um, you trade Von Miller, and I guess from the outside, people are going, all right, well, the Broncos are kind of building for the future. And then you just swamp the Cowboys. What's your perspective on how it went down last week? Yeah, I mean, Vaughn's a big name and obviously uh, the the face of the franchise. and People miss him here in Denver, but I think the fact of the matter is that after the first four games of the year where he played really well, the last few, you know, he got injured on Thursday night in Cleveland, but against the Raiders, against Pittsburgh, he was kind of limited. And so it may sound crazy, but guys like Malik Reed, Jonathan Cooper, um, they'd actually probably been playing at a little bit higher level just over that small sample size. And so there wasn't a huge drop-off in terms of the pass rush. But all year they've been talking about, you know, can this secondary be the best one in the NFL? It had the talent and it hadn't quite come together. They gave up a bunch of big passing plays earlier in the year. Uh, they were kind of susceptible to that. And 
against Dallas. They didn't let that happen against C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper. And Dak Prescott was was a little bit off on a few of them. But the the defense finally played at that level. And I don't know if it was you know just the the right day or if some of these young guys are saying, hey, we've got an opportunity now with Vaughn gone. Uh, but but they played really well. And then the offense, Teddy Bridgewater put together an efficient performance, didn't turn the ball over. That's probably the biggest thing from a year ago. I think at this point last year, the Broncos had like 22 turnovers, which which was last in the league. Right now, just 10, which is in the middle of the pack. And, you know, it's, it's what let them win some games. So I think the fact that they were able to do that and then run the ball really well, which is supposed to be the identity of this football team, it, uh, it just kind of all came together in Dallas. Yeah, that was a great, a great segue because I was going to ask, what is running the football? What It's always been, it seems, what the Broncos have been about with that scheme. Uh, now you've got this deadly one-two punch. Is that what you're leaning on from an offensive standpoint, uh, the, the physical, explosive nature of the run game? Yeah, I mean, I think that they don't want Teddy Bridgewater to throw the ball 35, 40 times in a game the way that, you know, Justin Herbert did last week, for example, against the Eagles. That's I don't think that's the recipe for success for this team. They need to run the ball well. They need to play with some play action, get that going. And that's when Teddy Bridgewater can be efficient. You know, if he has to drop back and pass every time, or if he has to be in the shotgun and let guys kind of tee off on him, that's when some injuries on the offensive line might show up. That's when, uh, you know, maybe they're able to to double Jerry Judy or whoever it might be in the Broncos wide receiving core. And, And that's when things get to get a little dicey. And so, if they can kind of slow the game down, minimize some of the possessions, put together long drives. I think last year the Broncos only had two drives over eight minutes the whole season. And this year, I think they've had like 10 or 12. I mean, they just, they hold the ball for a long time and they're not necessarily going to hit you over the top for a 50 yard play, you know, two, three times a game. It might, it might happen once, but they're really going to be methodical eight yards, three yards, seven yards, just kind of on and on and move down the field. And that's where the run game can really wear teams down, I think. And yet it seems like they have the talent to be a really dynamic passing attack with, with Judy, with Sutland, or with, with Patrick. I mean, Sutton, they've got young talent. Um, Is it because of, it just fits Bridgewater to be kind of a more of a, and I hate to use the term game manager. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, (laughs) <laughs> the Broncos around here, I don't think they dislike that term game manager because last year with Drew Locke, he turned the ball over so much that the team didn't have a chance to win. And so the fact that Teddy's avoided those turnovers has been good for this team overall. And uh, he's made timely throws. And you're right that they have the talent at the wide receiver position. I think Jerry Judy coming back two weeks ago against Washington kind of changed the dynamic of this offense. And he's a big reason why I think the run game has gotten going because you can't now just stack eight guys in the box and dare them to beat you through the air because Jerry Judy's a really good player, good route runner. The, uh, the Broncos in a half of football before he got injured were 60% on third down. Then he went out for about six weeks. They were just about 20, 25% on third down during that stretch. And since he's come back the last two weeks, back over 50%. So uh, I don't know if that's directly tied to Jerry, but I, I do think that he brings a different element to this offense, helps Tim Patrick get open, helps Cortland Sutton get open, and really gets that run game going a little bit. How's the offensive line? Banged up. You know, that's that's kind of something to watch this week, I think. Uh, Garrett Bowles, a starting left tackle, was a, a second-team all-pro 
last year. He missed last week's game. Possible he might not play this week. Graham Glasgow, a starting guard, he's out for the season with a fractured ankle. Bobby Massey, the right tackle, he might not play. So you could be down as many as three offensive line starters uh, for this week's game. And, you know, I don't know how much of an impact that'll have on the run game because the kind of the backups they have there, particularly at the guard position, are they're maulers, you know. They're going to play well in the run game, but it's in that passing game. You know, can they stand up? Can they handle interior pressure? If the Eagles bring certain stunts, can they pick those up? So that's something I'll be watching. You mentioned the defensive secondary and the expectations that, hey, this could be maybe as good as any in the NFL. How has it gone? I mean, the safeties are experienced, uh, certainly have some name recognition. Um, you've got the first-round draft pick, Sertan, who I know has been injured or was injured last week. Um, what, what do you expect from the secondary of the Broncos in terms of just what they're going to show the Eagles and who's going to be available to play? Yeah, I mean, they came in, I think they're the highest-paid secondary in the NFL. Obviously, they spent the ninth overall pick on Sertan, and they came into the year, and it was like this team's going to be dominant. And then just against Jacksonville, against the Ravens, against Pittsburgh, the Raiders, this happened over and over where – 45-yard touchdown, 50-yard touchdown, especially early in games. There was a stretch where the secondary was directly responsible for teams scoring on their opening drive in like four or five straight games. And they finally got that corrected in Cleveland, and it's been better the last two weeks. They uh, had two big fourth-down stops against Dallas that really set the tone of that game. But it'll be interesting to see how the cornerback position shakes up this week because, like you mentioned, Pat Sertan got injured. In Dallas, it's it's unclear whether he's going to play this week. I think it's probably likely that he sits this one out since the the bye week is coming up after this game for the Broncos. And so that means that Kyle Fuller, who had been essentially benched for not playing so well, he's going to be back in the lineup. We'll have to see kind of how he plays. He he played at nickel last week for the first time in his career, got a game ball and, and performed well. But he was the guy kind of giving up those deep passes earlier in the year. So he's on one side, and then of course. Ronald Darby, who you guys know well, is on the other side, and, and he's finally finding his rhythm after a hamstring injury kept him out for a while. So it, it'll be interesting at corner. They lost Bryce Callahan for an extended period period of time. He's their their best nickel, probably one of the better nickel guys in the league. So they're they're going to play some some depth guys. I think Nate Hairston might be the guy to go there. But like like you did mention there, uh, the safeties Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson they're good, you know, in run support. They're good there on the back end. Justin Simmons uh, played probably his best game of the season a couple of weeks ago. So they're finally coming together. But, you know, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Pat Sertan is already their best corner, and so they're going to miss him this week if he can't play. And then finally, the Eagles obviously have the weapon in Jalen Hurts, who's going to be dangerous running, throwing. How equipped is Denver for that? Have you experienced a quarterback with those kind of skills this year? Yeah, I mean, I guess the closest thing would be Lamar Jackson, right? In week four, the Broncos played him. Yeah, no, he's not bad. Uh, yeah, he's not bad. Not a bad comp. Yeah, right. And uh, the Broncos essentially said, we're going to dare you to beat you, beat us with your arm. And Lamar Jackson did that. I mean, the Broncos, they stacked the box. They didn't really rush him the way you would rush a traditional quarterback. They just kind of had guys stay in their lanes and kind of keep him in the pocket. So, Lamar had a ton of time to throw, and he was able to beat the Broncos down the field on those deep passes. So that, that's something to look for this week. Do they play him exactly the same way that they played Lamar? Do they try to get
get a little bit more of a pass rush. Um, you know, I think at this point in his career, not sure Hurts is quite the, the passer that Lamar Jackson is, but obviously still dangerous. So it'll be interesting to see, do they trust their corners one-on-one extended periods of time, or is that going to come back to bite them again? Really, really interesting matchup. Eric, thank you so much. Um, wow. The Broncos, I mean, to me, like the Broncos, like you could, you go right back into the AFC West after this. I just wonder if you might possibly overlook the Philadelphia Eagles. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, this is a game that you beat Dallas and you're kind of right back in it. And like everyone around Denver views this as a potential trap game because, you know, if you lose this one and it's no disrespect to the Eagles, but if you lose this one, it kind of wipes away everything you just did last week. That will do it for this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro with you. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, we are here on Veterans Day. We thank all of our veterans who have served, who are serving. My father, one of them. May he rest in peace. Thank you for making our country the great country that it is. I'll be back with more on Sunday, the Instant Reaction Podcast, Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. The Eagles looking to get back on the winning track with their fourth win on the road. Can they do it in a very tough environment? Thanks for joining, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly, and go, birds. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!